0: Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Anatomy of Tone. My name is Mark Marshall this week we're going to discuss some YouTube videos that I've released on the Anatomy of Tone YouTube channel as well as talk about a new tool for research that I'm using I'm excited about as well as getting to the topic of things that we need to become aware of and study like topics that they don't teach us in school, or we often don't get enough clarification or assistance from our parental figures growing up, but these are topics that can greatly affect your career and how you prosper. Let's start off with talking about the YouTube channel. channel this week. I released a couple of videos. One, as has a two-part series. It's going to grow, but for now it's a two-part series on mastering chord progressions. This is a practical guide to soloing on guitar. The concept behind these videos, this video series, is that I'm looking at strategies of how to move through chord progressions and play over changes. And there's a couple of ways, almost like exercises, but they go beyond exercises because they're actual musical motifs that we can use while we're soloing to navigate through tricky chord progressions or any chord progression for that matter. But it's a great base to understand about how to take some of these movements, particularly like using one, two, three, five, from whatever mode and scale you're playing and applying that over every chord that you're playing and only playing that subset of notes to navigate through. Now, there's a bunch of different strategies that people have used and over time, you can make up your own, but, Placing some of these strategies in your practice routine can really help your mind and your fingers get used to needing to change over chords or how to change or just a systematic way that if you need to hit the emergency button to be able to move through some chord changes that you can do that while soloing. I also made a video about how to learn music theory easily. These are just a collection of tips to me to help you navigate through the process of learning music theory, which is daunting to so many people. There is a way to learn it in a systematic way that can actually make it much more digestible. That's the key, and that's the mindset I have when I wrote my book, Practice Makes Progress, which I tried to take music theory and make it more accessible and explained in a way that is easier. And I always feel like music theory has been made harder than it really is. A lot of that is in the explanation and knowing where and how to apply it. Sometimes people are learning music theory and never applying it in the music that they're playing. So everything that you're learning, it's important that you're using it to be able to really understand its purpose and to get a sense of why we might use that, that music theory idea to help expand on ideas or to solve problems. There's another video about understanding sequences using modes on the guitar. So a sequence is taking a motive and then just moving it down by a, a defined uh, pattern. It could be major seconds, it could be minor thirds, it could be up as well, right? But we're basically taking the same thing and we're just transposing it down or up. Now I use this in a couple of examples in the video to show you how I'm using sequences to work through modes or scales. And this is a practice routine, but also can show up in runs when you have two destination notes where you have a, a note of departure and note of arrivals there's another video on my website called how to learn music theory easily this is my viewpoint on how to take what appears to be a really complicated subject matter and systematically look at how we can learn it to make it more digestible. This is the concept behind my book, Practice Makes Progress. I really wanted to make music theory more accessible. I feel like in itself, music theory is not that complicated. What often is complicated is its delivery and lack of association. My plan is to have strong associations and give you a real clear pathway of of how to approach taking in what appears to be like a massive amount of information if you check out that video you're going to see me discuss in retrospect what i think what i wish i knew when i was learning music theory about the layout and, and the order to which I, I should have been approaching things there is one last video i did last week I've been making a lot of short videos that have one key point in them something for us to practice or to really think about I'm trying not to make long videos because i don't want there to be too many points of information in it. I feel like one video with one clear point Is more valuable when you're taking in too much information at one time I also have a video on mastering transposition and harmonization with using the note tutor app I've been writing a lot for horn sections they're tricky to write for because they're transposing instruments for instance the alto sax is up a major sixth from concert pitch so if you play middle C on a piano that actually is going to be an A note above that C note, written for the saxophone part, and that could be a little confusing. So if you're looking at a saxophone part in A, actually you actually have to transpose that down to know that's a C note on the piano. It's a little bit of a brain twister. I was always getting them reversed. Which direction do I go? Which one is the tenor sax? What's the alto? What's the berry? right? It took me some time to make some clear associations and one of the things I did was I think of the high note in the saxophone or actually all saxophones as being the transposed note, right? So in other words, like saxophones are, are already transposed and I have to go back to piano and the piano is the natural note. So I just made a clear distinction in my brain and visual association and, and representation of how I wanna recall the information to make sure I got that clear and it worked. Now, I'm really clear on what the soprano is transposed to the alto, the tenor, the berry. And also, when I'm looking at a score or trying to write a score, I'm very clear about what role it is. Is it transposed? Is it in concert pitch? Note Tutor, which is an app I recommend to everybody because it helps you train to learn the notes on the musical staff. I'm a big fan of reading music, if you know from hearing my podcasts. I really believe there's only good that comes from that. So I encourage everybody to learn how to read music and this is an app that i used when i was brushing up on my reading skills which basically shows the clef you could choose the bass alto or treble clef and it'll play a note and makes you guess it and it's timed so you see how much faster you're getting it's like like a quiz game which is great for other times when you're just wasting time if you're looking at social media or doing a, a mindless uh task or, or you're waiting, right? Waiting in line, waiting in an elevator, waiting on a train, any of those things. I would pull the note tutor out and just play a few rounds of this game. I started to use it in a different manner. I'm looking at the app and if an F note comes up, I'm transposing it up a sixth, pretending like I would be transposing for alto saxophone. So in my mind, I have to guess what that note is. Now, the only trick is that the app and there's no way to test the right answers. I have to trust myself because it won't actually quiz me on what a major sixth up is from any note that it presents. I have to do that in my mind. But at this point, if you're learning this, you should be pretty clear about what those intervals are and taking a second to make sure that you run it through your brain and have clarity that you're saying the right six. So take your time. At this point, it's not so much about it being a speed game, so at least for a while. Don't think of it that way. Just think about seeing the pitch and doing your transpositions. Understanding how to do transpositions could be really powerful. And you might be like, oh, I'm a guitar player. What do I need to know that for? But it's really helpful to be able to write a horn chart or just understand if you have to. Um, Play something on a baritone guitar and transpose a guitar part to baritone, it's, it's going to be helpful to have strong transposition skills. Being able to transpose riffs or, or lines, chords, anything that you're playing by any interval can be a really powerful thing. I want to take this motif I'm playing and I want to transpose it up a minor third. If you could do that really quick. That's going to be really powerful. It's just quicker that you can make music, get your ideas out without being bogged down with technicalities. So check my YouTube video out on Anatomy of Tone, my channel, and you'll find all these videos and more. I'll be releasing more videos this week, which I'll review at a further time. A lot of my videos on YouTube now are centered around how to improvise, how to solo, how to create music. And I'm trying to strip away some of the confusion and give a lot of clarity. This week I received a new cool tool that I use for my music research that I'm really excited about. I found a shop on Etsy called Tune Utility and Thomas Evelyn makes these stencils for her staff and tab which you can write on paper. I have moved back to paper for doing all my research. I have some nice thick paper, I think it's a 60 pound. I chose like an ivory color, so it's a little off white basically I got this paper so it's thick enough that the ink doesn't bleed through it and uh, long-term storage I wanted to be able to collect all my research and know it was going to last a long time and the paper wasn't too thin and could easily tear I also like to use non-lined paper because sometimes I need to write a music staff in and sometimes I want to write text in so I can write down concepts or For instance, right now I'm collecting all of my research on species counterpoint. I made a lot of this research on the iPad as I was learning it and reading various books on counterpoint. Now I'm transferring it to this paper. And I don't like using staff paper because I don't like writing text on the lines. It makes it hard to read. For me, I need to have either standard lined paper, which is what I used to use on the iPad, which was tricky in itself because then writing in staff Notation was tricky. So I've moved to just plain blank paper and I just write freehand on it. And then I'm using this staff stencil to be able to write in staffs when I need to make notation. Thomas also makes a tablature one, which is great. So you could have both of them and then just write in the staffs on the paper. I use a Pentel Energel pen, which is a really nice weighted gel pen this point. 007 or point zero seven. I can't remember the tip, I get a little turned around with the numbers there. I do think it's nice to have a good quality pen that you write good and that feels good. And we use that with the 60 pound paper and it's been working out great. Today I just was collecting the research on the various species of counterpoint species one two three four five and just wanted to write it out in a clearer manner so i was immediately using the stencil that i got this week which has just simplified my life because everything looks so much cleaner now i can choose where i want the stabs on the paper and it just allows me to maybe focus and display the stabs in a way that I'm basically trying to tell the story through the research, which I also think is helpful in creating like a research lookbook of information. The stencil allows me to write the music anywhere and it's quick and it's so much better than a lot of the other devices I've seen, which some of them are like markers or they have a bunch of pencils and you, right across at the same time with the pencils or pens and some are like a rolling stamp and they could be a little inconsistent this i think is the best option it's fast i just put the pen and draw it across thomas makes various sizes from 12 millimeter to 14 millimeter height so if you need a little bit more groomy staves or you need you want a, a tighter smaller staff also from 170 millimeters to 190 millimeters wide which is gives you if you want basically how wide do you want it? Do you need a real wide one or just writing like a couple of bars here and there? You can get a smaller one depending on the type of paper you're using. I got the widest one, the 190 millimeter because I'm using larger paper, notebook size paper. So I want to have the full one because sometimes I'm writing out a bar. Sometimes I'm writing out several bars from the research. Like if I'm looking at a Bill Evans book or I find a cool piece of counterpoint in, in a Bach chorale or something, I want to be able to write it out. So I got the, the longest one. Thomas makes Two different materials. He makes the uh, birch plywood and the MDF. Now the MDF is cheaper because of course it's like a composite. I have the birch plywood and it's lovely. It's really nicely made. It's one of those simple tools that really saves me a lot of time. You don't realize how sometimes it's certain actions or activities are frustrating. You write a staff and it looks crooked. It just doesn't look good and your lines aren't evenly spaced. And it just makes it harder to look back and clarify your information. The whole point of doing research, which I encourage everybody to do, I am going to do a YouTube video about researching and I'll give you visual examples of how I'm doing my research. I'm a big fan of it and being able to recall and Easily visualize your information and future is important. So, making sure you have legible handwriting and especially with the music notes, like you have to be able to know what line you're writing on, and then they're not like following a squiggly line, right? Just for the staff. So, I think this is a fantastic tool. They come in between 17 and $29, depending on the material and the size that you want I I can't uh, recommend them enough I think it's really a, a fabulous tool and a great stocking stuffer for people that are nerdy musicians like me. Go to Tune Utility on Etsy and you'll find Thomas's store with a variety of stencils on there which you can also have personalized by the way too which is a nice touch for a gift. teaching my last master class at SUNY Purchase, where I'm a professor this semester. A student asked a really interesting question on the last day and we're going around the room and just discussing some final thoughts. The student asked me about what next? What do I do out in the real world? What do I need to know? It was a really great question, honestly, because that is to some degree, some of the most important questions, which often don't get answered until you go out in the world and you get experience on your own and learn the hard way. I don't know why it just is not put into our society, whether it's often with our home, our parental figures, or within the schooling system. There are a lot of topics regarding how to navigate through the outside world that just aren't discussed. You're just left to your own means which sometimes leads to you getting into some tricky situations and not having the skills to deal with them. I definitely feel like that was the case for me. There were a lot of skills I was never shown. I didn't go to school. I, there was just not a lot presented to me and a lot of the topics actually that I'm going to discuss in a moment. So it was a bit trickier i had to learn as i go and do a lot of research and talking a lot about research this week i'm just not really hiding my nerdiness am i i thought when i was talking to andrew my student it really brought forth in my mind all the things that i wish i knew that caused me issues a like heartache or frustration just career setbacks. When I was talking to Andrew, had ever really truly been presented me in a manner that could give me skills to have prevented any of those situations, aside from maybe some people have an instinct to navigate a situation better than other people's. I mean, this has to do with their upbringing or their environment. But I was realizing how much the non-music stuff can affect your musical career. I'm gonna go through a list now and just talk about some of the big topics for me that I think could be really helpful for everybody that's getting into music to study because it can greatly affect their career. the first one is about disorders. Recognizing and understanding personality disorders, being able to spot them, knowing how to deal with people that have them. There are a lot of people with personality disorders and it's an incredibly difficult situation. I grew up around somebody with an impossible personality disorder. They were a narcissist, a true narcissist, and it was incredibly damaging and disruptive and frustrating, Create a lot of problems for me. And I didn't even know what a narcissist or personality disorder was. I think in the time that I grew up, I think it was just uh, that person's a little weird or is a little selfish, or you, there's a number of things that you thought, but you didn't really understand, or at least I didn't understand, partly because I you know, was in a very controlled situation with a parental figure that had this issue where I was cut off to a lot of the outside world. So I had nothing to compare it against. I didn't even really understand what a narcissist was until I had got out of the house and a lot of damage had already been bestowed upon me due to that experience. I really feel that if I knew what that was, it would have changed a lot for me, affecting confidence, affecting just, I think, disorder, dysfunction, future relationships, future reactions, and just understanding how toxic being around people with personality disorders can be and how much it can affect your career and your life. It can stall you even though they will never try to, they will never allow you to think that they're causing you to be stalled or halting your progress or stifling you. They will do it. And it can be really toxic to your career and your progress because they end up trying to control everything you do. And then it becomes a game of them putting you down, building you up, putting you down, building you up. So there's a lot of emotional abuse that happens as well. You need to be able to spot these people so you can remove yourself from the situation as quickly as possible. There's no getting through to people with personality disorders, especially if it's the type that it's, a, for instance, like narcissists, that's such a full blown personality disorder that there's, you're just not going to get through to them. And you have to remove yourself and protect yourself from situations or people that can cause you harm. Often people don't understand what these situations are until they're too deep into them and a fair amount of damage has already been done. Some people manage to get out. I managed to get out but not everybody does. And it can really be like a sticky spider web that you get caught in. So educate yourself, understand what personality disorders are, understand what the signs are, start paying attention when you meet people or you start collaborating with people and you start working with people. And then you're dealing with people that you have to rely on them either to get paid or to move forward in your career. There are people that will... Promise you many things, and their toxic behaviors and personalities will do nothing but cause you pain and stagnation. And there are a couple of great books on this. There's a book called Five Types of People Who Can Ruin Your Life. This is a, a book on identifying and dealing with narcissists, sociopaths, and other high conflict personalities. I found this on Amazon. I'm sure your bookstore would have it. Some of these are also on Audible they're great to just listen to like audible sometimes i go on a walk and i'm educating myself on different concepts psychology is a big part of what we do we have to deal with a lot of people when we make music and as musicians bandmates artists having fans dealing with an audience dealing with bookers there's so many different social aspects to actually what our career is, even though a lot of musicians tend to be somewhat inward people, we need to know more about how to deal with people and negotiate with them, but also how to protect ourselves. There's another book speaking on that topic of potential conflict, because as well as thinking about dealing with people with personality disorders, we're going to end up even when people don't have full blown or I think toxic personality disorders, you're gonna end up with conflict. It's dealing with a booker or having to negotiate a deal or arguing about a song and rehearsal or an arrangement idea. There are healthy ways to negotiate and deal with conflict and there are toxic ways of doing it. Most of us are not taught that. We are just products of whatever conflict resolution we grow up in our we grew up with in our family household, which can be an issue because we all didn't grow up in great homes with conflict resolution. Growing up with a narcissist, I did not. It was still something I feel like I'm learning properly how to do is to deal with conflict. I don't feel like I've always successfully handled situations when they've got to that breaking point. I didn't know how to diffuse them. And I don't feel like I've always done a good job of knowing how to calm it down or to walk away in a collected manner that has the least amount of damage in this book 10 powerful strategies for conflict and de-escalation right how to achieve conflict resolution through effective communication we need to know that right it's just conflict is going to be a part of our lives whether it's just people we're dealing with in a store sometimes it's you're going to encounter difficult people but how you deal with them can also alter the outcome and diffuse the situation if you're around a fire you don't want to be gasoline right? so Check out a book on conflict. You're going to need it in your career. Speaking of conflict, so many people do not know how to apologize. You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We need to acknowledge when we make mistakes. It's a part of our growth. If we're not allowing to admit that we're making mistakes, we're not fully observing what we're doing to acknowledge what went wrong and potentially correct it for the next time it happens. If you're a person that doesn't apologize, you're never truly accepting, even if you feel inside that you may have done some wrong, you're never truly accepting it in a way or or really taking the credit for that. So I'm encouraging everybody to take ownership for their mistakes. There is a way to apologize though, And depending on the household, much like the earlier topics I was discussing, you may or may not have a healthy way of apologizing to people. Some people manage to apologize in a way that still feels like they're blaming the other person or that they're not taking accountability for what went wrong. I do think it's important to know how to communicate to people to relay or take responsibility for when when you've made a mistake. Often, I think people are very forgiving of when you make mistakes. They're less forgiving about the way that you handle those situations. That is often the part that really sets people off. Sure, you make a mistake, some people could be disappointed or angry for a short period of time, but if you acknowledge in a healthy way how you've made that mistake, how you are aware and maybe going to change it then they're going to think a lot differently about you and have a lot more respect for you because of your you're just being an honest and because of how you're handling the situation there's a book on amazon and in your bookstores how to apologize a guide to reconciliation and empathy in relationships check that out there's also other books i just picked a couple books that i dug which i thought would be a good starting place course, it's always good to check out a few resources on any of these topics to really get an overview in your research. And speaking of communication, right? The Art of Communication is another book I found. How to communicate effectively by refining your social skills. Just as I was saying before, whether we like it or not in the music business, we have to be very social. Writing music for you may be a very solitary thing. For some people, it is. For some people, it's more of a commutative thing where they get together with the bandmates and write. It's very solitary for me. I tend to write on my own as a composer and orchestrate and do a lot of the work on my own unless I'm working in my band Fife and Drum with my wife, Abby Ahmed, or Silvertooth Cactus with which is another band that I'm in and collaborate with compositionally and arrangement wise. All the other times it's me in a room. And so it's for the majority of the music I write me by myself. Once I get past that point of composing and recording the music to have my music be received by others or to get gigs or to deal with musicians to perform my music live or to teach students or any other part of music, you have to talk to people and communicate people. You have to know how to have healthy conversations with people and plant good seeds for potential working relationships, networking. We don't learn enough about networking in school or in anywhere, like grade school even. I don't know why we're not teaching healthy communication skills or healthy de-escalation skills or any of these topics like in school. I think this should be like, Starting in kindergarten, this should be 101 stuff that we learn the basics of in life. I think it would make everybody's life a lot better and obviously wouldn't make the world perfect. But I think if people were taught at a young age how to manage and navigate communication and de-escalation and all this stuff, it would really allow us to, I think, get along better in general. So I would check out this book on communication because how you communicate with people can mean the difference of you getting a gig and not getting a gig. You'll hear people say things about being on tours and stuff. How's the hang? And it basically means, are these people cool? Are you cool to hang out with? Do people enjoy being around you? Nobody wants to be stuck on a tour bus or a Sprinter van or on planes or traveling all over the, the world with somebody who isn't. Uh, fun to be around or who is abrasive or has a personality disorder. Another topic is learning how to take criticism as well as reading the book on personality disorders. Because one thing about narcissists is they're in a constant state of criticism on others, they can never do wrong themselves. That's a different type of criticism than I'm going to talk about. So that is a toxic type of criticism. But there is good criticism that you're going to get from people that you work with or mentors or just people, strangers that maybe you've asked opinions about a piece of music or an idea. And it's going to be important to be able to take constructive criticism and be able to use that to your advantage to progress and and make your work and your life career better. Now, this is hard for a lot of people because people get really defensive when people give them criticism. Of course, not everybody knows how to give healthy, constructive criticism. So that would be another thing to So learning how to give constructive criticism is also really important. So research on how to give healthy constructive criticism, as well as read this book that is how to stop being defensive, how to take criticism positively. Keeping your ears open, listening to people's ideas, even if you don't agree with it. Even if you don't agree with them, but consider what they're saying and understand why they're saying it, instead of just going to a place where you feel hurt. I know this is hard because we're artists and we're musicians, and we speak our feelings through sound. It's often a representation of what we're feeling. And sometimes, when people criticize those feelings that come through sound, we get defensive because we feel like people are attacking our feelings, what you're feeling isn't valid, or it may be something that was very personal to us and we feel like a pincushion. This book will help you think a little bit more about how to, I think, just shift where you're putting those feelings when people criticize you and be able to separate that from your feelings of the song versus the ideas that somebody's trying to share about your presentation or just advice. And it doesn't mean you always have to take that advice, but in hearing the advice, how you respond to that and how you accept it can be very important. One thing I've been doing in my one thing I've been doing with my college students at SUNY Purchase is when we sit around the room, I have a master class, and there's four people three to four people in a class, and they really get to know each of the students, and we listen to their music a lot and give a lot of advice about, what they could do either compositionally with it or with recording and engineering and just basically everything about the recording industry from composition up to recording up to final product and even career advice. When people come in to present their music, let's say one student has presented a new song, I will give two points of commentary. One will be positive commentary. The rule is that everybody has to give one piece of positive commentary and one piece of, constructive criticism. And that constructive criticism has been to be delivered in a form of, of care and, and not any kind of digs or negativity. So you can give constructive criticism in a non-negative way as presenting it as your perception of an idea or your, your thoughts on where they could develop it. So everybody gives their ideas. It's been really rewarding. I got this idea because I know the great instructor for orchestration, Samuel Adler used to do this in his classes because somebody I knew used to study with him, but he didn't do the positive bit. It was always just somebody had to give one critical technique. I adjusted this because I also think it's positive to hear something good that somebody liked about your music. And I've been trying to find something I like about every piece of music I listen to, even if I'm not really into it. What's one nice thing I can say? Oh, that guitar part was played really well. Ooh, I like that guitar sound. That's a cool synth sound. It was a... a, a nice mix. That was a cool lyric. Uh, for the students, it, it's not hard because they've all been so talented. It's easy to find something good to say because it's been pretty impressive, honestly, what they've come in with this semester. Then I give the constructive criticism we all do in the class. And I feel like we're bonding as a team too, because we're all, music is an opinion based art to some degree there is technique to help execute your ideas but it's a taste art and much in the same way that cooking is so sometimes things aren't good or bad they're just different takes on flavors and so it's important to hear everybody's take everybody goes around in the room and does that and i feel like everybody walks out and i hope and it seems to be from my conversations with them that everybody's walked out feeling good about what everybody has said about their music you know one of the reasons I'm doing the criticisms is that I feel that students have to get used to the idea that people are going to give them criticism. One of the difficult parts, if we're just learning how to make music at home on our own, is that we're not presented with a lot of uh, constructive criticism. We're our own judges, and sometimes we're also our harshest judge, which can be negative in its own way, we are harsh. And so that could sometimes also lead to the way that we take criticism for other people because we are so harsh on ourselves. And I want my students to get used to taking criticism from others so that it doesn't trigger that that feeling of such negativity or, or hurt when people are uh, presenting maybe their thoughts or criticisms on music. So I would recommend checking out This book, Criticism Bites, Dealing with Responding to and Learning from Your Critiques. It's another great book to check out. Again, it's helpful to check out multiple books. Now, the last couple of books I would talk about are about confidence and, and developing your expertise. Depending on what's interesting is the way you think can actually change the biology of your body it's fascinating. I'm reading a book right now on confidence and it's, I'll put the link in the, uh, for all these books in the podcast description so you can check them out. The book about confidence is really interesting because it's talking about high level performers, whether they're athletes or musicians and the thought process while they're achieving things or the adjustments they've had to make to be able to achieve things. And confidence is a big part of that. And they get into the book dives into the idea of how confidence can change the outcome for you. And this could mean everything from getting the gig or to actually achieving like playing the gig the way that you wanna play the gig, how you perceive yourself doing it can actually change the way that you do it. Truly having an understanding of what real confidence is and not ego And how to use confidence can really help your career, not only in the takes that you get as a performer when you're recording or in your compositional process or when you're working with people in a room, whether you're recording them as an engineer or producer or you're in a band or it affects everything you do in your life and it affects largely the performance aspects of it. This book has been really a wonderful eye-opener. I think And myself, I grew up in a pretty negative environment. I guess confidence had been something I struggled with quite a bit because of the situation I was in where I was constantly being built up and broken down again. You're good. You're not any good. You're good. You're not any good. Like That whole uh, situation with being around a narcissist can leave you feeling a little like strange in some ways. I've achieved a fair amount, I feel like, as a an artist and a musician a professional i'm aware that i've reached a certain level but sometimes like growing up with a certain experience it doesn't necessarily mean that you feel confident yet and so there are some places i was confident but realized that i was lacking confidence in some places and particularly for me one of the things i'm trying to deal with is born legally blind i can't see so well it doesn't mean i can't see but i'm limited i can't drive a car so seeing a street sign from across the street is difficult i can see it now because i have glasses but it doesn't mean that i can see well so i still will walk down the street and not recognize people i know i don't see them are still some complications from having the really bad eyesight. I can see better than I ever could. Thank you to Dr. Alan McGough, who was the first eye doctor I met and worked with, who really improved my vision by twice the amount, which was phenomenal. Still, I have limitations and reading music is on stage is tricky. I, I read music. All the time every day and i am an average reader of music but when i get on stage there's a little part of my brain that clicks in and says you can't do this hits the panic button because i fear that i can't see it and i shut down and i just go into self-protection mode and i start trying to trust my ear and just trying to find my way through it instead of just reading what was on the paper which i know how to read somehow i've convinced myself i think through trauma that i can't read the music and i panic and there's a little bit of panic that happens and i jump ship pretty easily from reading the charts i'm trying to overwrite that because I know how to read music, uh, uh, but I have a reaction on stage that sometimes prevent me from reading it as well as I would like to. It led me to this confidence book, which actually uncovered a lot of other topics I didn't realize that I was dealing with from growing up in in a situation that was pretty negative and and difficult to say the least. I would recommend you check out that book because even if you feel like you might be a confident person uh, or, or if you're struggling with confidence, we all should be learning more about what confidence is and what ego is, we don't want to be egotistic. We want to have confidence and feel that we are capable of achieving things and achieve them. We don't want to make other people feel like they're lesser than. There's also a book called Peak, which is about basically the art of expertise, how to become an expert. And there are some really wonderful strategies in this book about how to develop whatever you're working on. The craft for me, it's guitar. and piano, composition, recording, and teaching. So these are my skill sets that I'm always trying to expand, but it's a method and a look at the most efficient ways to do it. And talks about how some of the best achievers have achieved their goals. What was their process? What did they do? And I really think it's a fantastic book. I wouldn't say I agree with all the sentiments in the book, which is the author says that there's no difference between any two people that anybody can become essentially like Mozart or whatnot. And just by using these techniques to become an expert, I don't know how I feel about that. He has a lot of science to back it up. I just don't know that I can relate to that or really understand that only because where music comes from inside of me, the author wasn't an artist. It's, I don't know. It's, it'd be an interesting debate if anybody has any commentary on that because I just, I feel like there is something more to why people are good at what they do. But I think the takeaway from the book really is that once you find that thing you're good at, or actually, honestly, anything, this book does lay out a really solid plan to put you on a path to grow in a consistent manner, very effectively in the shortest period of time. It doesn't mean it's going to be short, but it's basically like trimming the fat on while you're learning things so that you can get, everything you need to get done in a shorter period of time and have a better experience. It lays it out. Some people come to these conclusions on their own and some people don't. I don't think I did. I love learning and I love practicing. I don't always feel like I did those things in the most effective way. And there were some techniques I learned from this book that I'm I'm employing right now, which I think are fantastic. And so I think it's great to Research books on learning, because we're always going to be as in a state of learning and how to become successful and become great at what we do is also a, a craft and something we have to learn how that process works in order to use it. The last topic I would like to discuss when it comes to research and books is finance. We're often not taught enough about finance musicians, a lot of us, not all of us, some of us are really great at numbers and enjoy the math of accounting. But there's a lot of us in the music business that tend to not be the best at accounting and bookkeeping. And it's just a trait that we're free spirits and we often like to just wing it or just be free. This doesn't work in a world that is so financially based. And musicians tend to not make the most money these days. The days of many people getting the chance to be wealthy rock stars as waned and a lot of us, and even ones that appear to be, or I should say actually are very successful, just doesn't mean the financial stability that you think it means. So that's a surprise when a lot of people get into the music business these days of what the reality of what your capabilities of financial income are. They're much less than what you think they are. Budgeting money is going to become really important in understanding not only your self-worth, but how to set aside money, how to organize paying your bills, overhead, running a business, you know, everything for organizing for taxes. All that stuff is actually very important and will help you if you get into it and understand it now. That is not something I did. I grew up I did not really know much about budgeting, saving money and dealing with finances. And I feel now that I'm getting older, I really wish that I had that knowledge. I probably took a lot of gigs I shouldn't have taken for the experience that maybe gave me some experience, but didn't really helped me save anything for when I'm getting older or for my actual home life. And I think as we're coming up as artists, we tend to look at things, the, the experiential part of it's so important because we need to get discovered so we get this big gig and we could become famous. And it's a bit like winning the lottery. You know, There's a lot of people who are really amazing at their craft that make a moderate living it is the reality for a lot of musicians, quite honestly. The rock star wealth fame thing is again, it, it randomly happens to a few people can't be looking at that as the benchmark. You have to be looking at what reality is as making a consistent living as a musician or an artist, a composer or an engineer, producer, whatever aspect of the music business you're in. You need to research and find out what the real living wages are for that line of work, how to figure out and manage what types of gigs you can take and how it will pay for the bills, how it will pay your rent, how it will pay your uh, health insurance, how it will pay all those things. I know it's just like such an old man conversation, but I wish I understood this. When I came to New York, I was starting over and- for me, I was just playing anywhere, doing any gigs for a little money and the money went a lot longer at that time period. It goes a lot less these days and the gigs honestly haven't gone up in pay, which is crazy. And I was able to get by, but I wasn't as concerned about the money. I was taking a lot of things. And this whole time, I didn't never thought about saving any money. I was never good about saving money putting money aside, putting it in different places, investments, uh, savings accounts. I just was bad at managing money. I never was good at balancing my checking account or keeping in track of what was coming in, what was going out, what my monthly cost was or my monthly budget. And It's just something that's been a challenge for me and I'm not good at it and I really wish that I was because that can make the impact I feel like a lot of times I've lived outside my means. I don't live extravagantly, but I think I would do things or spend money on things that. I'd- really didn't have, or maybe I shouldn't have because there were other things down the line that uh, were gonna turn out to be very important. You know, it's not like I have a ton of regrets, but I'm just looking and saying that would've been smart if I would've done that. I'm trying to correct a lot of that stuff now, right? And Think about stability. We work in a field that is all over the place. When does money come in? How long does it come in for? It's hit and miss, now, knowing how to budget money, to get through periods of time where it gets slow, like in the winter near the holidays. And there's a period in the spring or summer where it gets dry. Typically you have to know how to plan to be able to get through those dry seasons where there are fewer gigs where people are taking lessons, things slow down. So you have to think about that and also understand what exactly you're making from what gig and how it could progress you forward, aside from just it being a cool gig or playing great music or knowing that somebody can see you. You do have to see it as a business, which I think is very hard for a lot of us. And I didn't see it that way for a long time. I came up in an environment where it was just all about making it and what making it is a little different, I think, than how a lot of the public perceives it. Making it is really being successful, making a living, being the best at it that you can. I suggest that you consider that fame is not the standard for what success is. Success is sustaining yourself from your craft. You have to learn how to do that. You have to learn how to manage those finances. If you don't know how to do that, On a basic level, if you do start making a lot of money, you're not going to be good at doing that either. If you happen to be in school, take classes on accounting, bookkeeping, and time management, read books. There are definitely some great books as well that can help you with learning how to budget. There's a book that I saw called They Don't Teach Us That in School. It's like 99 tips of personal money management principles to live by just a collection of different ideas to help you manage money or just be aware of them. And there are other books that you can read as well, but this is a great starter book. Put it on the map and have you understand about the concept of what money management is. I encourage you to do this as, as soon as you can. This is really important stuff. And know when we're learning music, everybody tends to be focused on gear i love gear You i watching this podcast i'm into creating sounds i love composition i'm so in, embedded in the idea of making music that can overshadow a lot of the other skills that you actually need and to some degree can create huge ripple effects for your life and your career so i'm not saying don't buy that new cool pedal or don't spend all your day composing and saying that you have to allot some time to absorb these other concepts because they will show up and affect your life in many ways. I hope you've enjoyed episode 29 of Anatomy of Tone. I'm going to take two weeks off for the holidays and I wish everybody, no matter what holiday you're celebrating, I hope you have a great one and enjoy yourselves. I'll be back in January with some new concepts and new gear to discuss. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at anatomyofguitartone.com. You want to reach out about guitar lessons, music theory lessons, composition lessons. See you in 2024 for.